Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. Uh, my name is Dan, and uh, I've been calling myself that for approximately one whole year now. With me as well for a whole year is my dear friend Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Dan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our birthday podcast. We are officially now a a toothsome infant who mules and cries and shits everywhere and uh, demands attention and treatment and, in this specific case, beer and whiskey. That's just Dan. (laughs) But yes, we have been podcasting for a whole year now, and it's very, very strange. But it was also young Daniel's birthday this week, too. So, it's Double Birthday Podcast. Happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday, podcast. It was also your birthday, Sarah. You're not getting off the hook. Was my birthday this week, Daniel? Yes, it was. We record- no, it wasn't. Yes. Yes. Yes, nope. it was. Yes, it was. Nope. Yes, it was. No, no, no. It's your birthday. You're on it. We've been bickering on the internet for a whole year. Can you believe that? We're getting really good at it, I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could stand some more practice, but eventually we'll be able to go pro. Pro bickering, something, <laughs> something. Well, uh, look. All I maintain is that if they let us take over, like say, for example, commentary from Phil and Paul, <gasps> you're not necessarily going to get any better race analysis out of us. But <laughs> I promise we will be a lot more entertaining. <laughs> we couldn't be worse. <laughs> honestly, honestly. I mean, for a start, guaranteed drinking games in every race. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Could you imagine the two of us doing four or five hours of commentary, having to take a shot every time we do something fucking ridiculous or stupid? (laughs) If we're still conscious by the end of the stage, we've won. Someone's won. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think that's how I would have been commentating on this race this week. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so the the Chongming is the, sorry. Let me get the name right. Chongming Island World Cup. Well, there is two races called the same thing. Um, I don't know if this is just about translating from Chinese doesn't work so well. But there's the t- or Cantonese, I guess. There's the Tour of Chongming Island, the stage race, and then there's the Tour of Chongming Island, the World Cup. Hang on, is Chongming Cantonese? I thought it would have been Mandarin. Oh. Yes, whatever. You're right. I'm, you're right. <laughs> I think, I'm not exactly sure how, but I think at least one of us was just racist. <laughs> sorry, oh, hey, sorry hey, China. Not, not racist, stupid. I'll accept stupid. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now we've just named the show stupid, not racist. <laughs> But it was the Tour of Chongming Island. We we told you about the Chongming Island stage race last week, which was won by Nettie Edmondson of Orica AIS. And mm. after that stage race, I was really looking forward to the World Cup. I mean, it is a little bit sad that on the biggest sprinting race of the year, we were missing Inioko Teutenberg, Kirsten, Kirsten Wilde and Marianne Voss and Ellen Van Dyke. So, you know, and that's... You know, but there's still so much talent. It's and it's nice to see. And yeah, anyway, I don't know how to say that. It provides a good opportunity for you know the the up and comers, the the next tier of sprinters to strut their stuff. 
stretch out the legs, show us their kick, all that sort of jazz. Yeah, and I mean, that's why I really like Lucy Garner's win in the first stage of the Chongming Island tour, because... I don't think she like joined Argo Shimano to learn from Kirsten Wilde. Mm. She's a twice junior world champion and she's very, very fast, but I don't think she'd quite expect her to step up to lead sprinter position just yet. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it turns out she's got enough anger, so well done, Lucy. Yeah. Woo! She- Ah, oh, she was brilliant. So, yes, yeah, so there it was going to be. I mean, I guess it was all coming down to that. There were a couple of key questions about the Chongming World Cup. So you had Georgia Bronzini, who's on a fine form at the moment. Mm. Then you had the young, you know, the young, the little, the young ones. You had Nessie Edmondson, Chloe Hosking, and then the really young one in terms of Lucy Garner. And then all the other teams as well, because there's a lot of Italian sprinters out there who are really good. And this was a really, I mean, it, Mariana Voss isn't there. She doesn't tend to race. I don't think she's ever raced in China, actually. Um, but, you know, with the lead she's got in the World Cup, quite frankly, she doesn't need to. Um, well, I, I assume the last time she raced in China was at the Olympics, yeah? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where, oh, my God, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to actually go and find a copy of Mariana Voss winning the points race in Beijing because, oh, oh, that was such good racing. <laughs> Which we don't normally get from Mariana, so it's worth <laughs> noting. <laughs> you know what? This was my thing. You know, this week we had Bradley Wiggins talking about, oh, I just sounded like a girl. And I was just remembering, um, in the Giro Donna, uh, two years ago, there was Mariana Voss descending down the Motorola, I think it was, um, so fast that one of the motorbikes so well that one of the motorbikes actually crashed off the road trying to follow her (laughs) we don't actually get to see Mariana Voss descend too much because she's so fast the bikes can't keep up oh Oh, anyway so Chongming um, I told you last week it's a flat flat race in an alluvial um, island in the middle of the Yangtze River the Queen of the Mountains points is when they climb up to the bridge the Shanghai Bridge um, they ride over the Shanghai Bridge back through the tunnel under the Yangtze. Um, and it was kind of, I mean, <laughs> I was a bit, uh, Melissa Hoskins, who won last year, uh, mm. one of the tour, um, said, oh, she might not have won the tour, but she won something at the tour last year. I'm going to stick with that. Um, she said, oh, yeah, you know, we thought that a breakaway, a breakaway might happen. I was going, nah, nah, it won't. Breakaways don't happen in this race. It is 100% bunchy sprinty all the time. So, there they were. There were early early attacks, early groups. Order Bianic from the French national team had a go. And then at the end, Tatiana Ryabchenko uh, from Chilio Forno de Solo um, attacked solo. So here's the and- question, Sarah. This is the really important race-defining question. If you're the race organiser and you want to ensure that just for a change of pace and history this year, there is a successful breakaway... <laughs> What do you think the best way to make that happen would be? Good conspiracy theory, Dan. Very good. Pay off the entire peloton to slow pedal behind the brake. B. Pay the uh, the brake to work extra hard as opposed to their normal lazy efforts. Or C. Just you know, do a wily coyote and change the road signs or whatever, (laughs) and steer the peloton the wrong way as they approach the finish. Well, I, for some reason, that's what happened. Mm. So the roads are really, really wide. Um, they kind of, they, they, it, it's one of, it's, 
most of the island is is, is in a grid system. So oh, you have these... no, no, no. I know exactly what happened. What you're saying is that they got caught in a right turn only lane and they needed to go left, but they were in that lane and they had to go right. They just had no choice. Well, what happened was one of these big roads had a barrier down the middle of it, you know, separating off the two, you know, the lanes of the lanes of traffic. And for some reason, the motorbike led them down the wrong side. So Tatiana Ryabchenko had got about a 17 second gap. And I think this is at the three kilometers to go point. Yeah. And the peloton is taken down the wrong side of the road. Then they realize have to backtrack, get on the right side of the road so they can actually finish the course. Ouch. I know, and it's such a... I mean, I can't even... I'm a little surprised, though, that the cyclocross riders in the bunch didn't just, you know, throw their bikes over the barrier and jump over and go. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what happens when Marianne is not there to show the way. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah. so Ryabchenko won solo, and, I mean, I can't, I can't stress how much this is the biggest win of her career so far. I mean, mm. how... We're not talking about someone who has... Yeah, we're talking about someone who this is... Holy shit, this is the biggest, biggest win of her career. And, but it kind of led a bad taste in the mouth. I mean, there were some comments on, on Twitter and, and um, I think in womenscycling.net said the same thing. Oh, well, riders should know which way they're going. And it's like, but that's not necessarily right. Because I've seen, you know, I've been to races. I've seen road books. Road books don't go down to the detail of, and make sure you're in the left-hand lane, A. And B, if you're being directed by a race motorbike or a race car in front of you telling you where to go, you know, you follow it. If you're a giant thundering peloton kind of all organising your sprint trains and ready to catch some poor um, Ukrainian up the road, you're not thinking, oh, I wonder if we've been taken down the right lane. I'm sure it said in the race book that we should go in the left-hand lane here. also, Also, presumably, the motorbike is either... You know, like, I don't actually know, but it's either carrying a race official or it's following a vehicle with a race official. Yeah. I mean, so, anyway. You know, so whoever whoever was at the front is a race official who is meant to know where to go, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because this race is really, really well organised. Each team gets their own um, interpreter who hangs around with them for the week and becomes part of their team. And it's you know they're looked after really, really well. They they get a lot of publicity. They got really good video, Dan, and we'll come on to that later so that you can rant. But um, oh yeah, joy, had... I do love a good rant. I'm looking at you, flesh for one. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, and I don't. I mean. Yeah, I don't think it's the rider's responsibility to assume that race organisers aren't taking them the right way and to always be there. Be there. So anyway, so yeah. we have to... I mean, it would be different if we were talking about a version of cycling that was called orienteering, where, you know, you're given a map and a <laughs> compass and it's just your fucking job. But it's not quite like that. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's it's also one of those ones, though. I mean, I kind of feel for Ryabchenko in this situation, too, because... Yeah. You know, like, I totally understand why the the Peloton is, like, you know, disappointed and unhappy with that, because that's a that's an egregious error to, to have happen um, that seriously affects the outcome of the race the whole way through. And realistically, yeah. you know, they probably would have caught her. But, as you say, this is also the biggest win of her career, and, and possibly, um, you know, no disrespect at all, intended but this may actually be the biggest win of her entire yeah. career 
you know yeah. and so it's a huge achievement and you you know if i were her i wouldn't care it's like it's like the the most famous gold medal in australian winter olympics history is the speed skater who made it into the men's yeah. final 200 meters and on like the third last turn or whatever the canadian or, or whoever it was slid out and he was in second position and happened to take the other two guys out the Australian was coming last, managed to skate past all of them. It's classic hair in the tortoise. He just skated past all of them, got like a lap, and, and skated to gold. And the truth is that if, if that fall hadn't happened, he wouldn't have even got a bronze medal. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, out yeah. of contention. Um, but uh, talk to any Australian sports fan, and we, we know that moment in our history. Because, you know... I don't mean it in a dismissive way, but, you know, this is why sometimes we shrug our shoulders and go, that's racing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, and, and that was what, and what Carl Lima was tweeting, because Carl was live tweeting, and mm. he, and like Carl's Twitter stream was just like, this is either spectacular or terrible, depending on which view, you know, it's either very funny or very terrible, depending on which side you're on. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and he said, well, yes, the, you know, the mistake was not to let her get so much of a break at the end. And that's what saddened about it, because actually, maybe, you know, you're right, maybe Ryabchenko would have won. Mm. Mm. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't have caught her, and it would have been this massive, great big overturn, and yeah. you know, a really underdog from a really small team would have beaten the, and, pro, you know, would have beaten the sprinters because the sprinters hadn't taken it seriously. And, and that's the thing is, you know, like if she's got like, like we said, it's, it was around seventeen seconds at three kilometers, which means that yes, it's more likely than not that they would have pulled her back. But all it takes is a little bit of the, you know, trouble yeah. getting sprint trains organized or the or the top riders sitting up and playing games with each other a little bit. And she, yeah. you know, she holds on, you know, maybe even only by half a wheel. Or yeah. maybe maybe she stays clear by a couple of hundred meters. Maybe she gets yeah. swallowed. We don't know. But what we do know is that she did win on the day. And a win's a win, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She yeah, didn't... And, and it's you know, I mean, I would, yeah. I, I would love to know what the UCI is going to do about this because you know this isn't the first time it's happened mm. in a in a, in in a race, and you it's know, not even the it first time it's the happened. Men's race too. It's not even the first time it's happened this year. So no, no, it happened in Ishiwak. I yeah. mean, not to anywhere near the extent because that was at the beginning of the race, and mm. you know, poor 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 Ishiwak on their mm. stage of doom. Um, but yeah, it was. It was, yeah. I mean, but but I, clearly I there are some sort of issues that at least need to be investigated and understood to find what the similarities are in this situation, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe what, maybe it's one of those things where, like, race organisers... And, and I can actually understand how this happens, because if you're organising a race, then realistically, you're going to be doing it on your home turf, like, basically where yeah. you live. And so you know the area really well. And so, you know, we're talking about an eight-lane highway in China or something, and organisers stand there and go, well, we're going up this way. There's no way anyone would be on the other side of the barrier, so we don't need to put a guy at the start of the barrier waving everyone onto the, the correct yeah, yeah, side. Yeah. You know, but I think also... I think also races are run by volunteers. You know, mm. I was I was in conversation with the amazing. You know how much I love the Energy Walk tour, right? Yep. And they were saying they paid the camera people, the TV people, and then maybe they paid a couple of other people for technical stuff. But basically, everyone organising that race was a volunteer. Yeah. And I and I can imagine that if you're a race official who's not used to this sort of thing, mm. Mm. then you might you could make a terrible mistake. That's 
that's like not your that's like just a kind of complete brain fart you know what i mean yep. so Yep, anyway. and, and that's the thing, you know, we don't know all the details, and, and I think that's really the, the key takeaway. First step is to actually work out, because obviously the fact that it happens commonly enough that we've got a handful of, of stories in recent memory of it happening, there's got to be a certain level of commonality between these incidents that yeah. we can identify and then hopefully redress, you know, and, and just yeah. go, oh, okay, so it's it's as simple as we do this or that. You know, maybe yeah. it is update the race books. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe well, maybe it's... Garmin wants to give every every car and motorbike a, a GPS with the course pre-programmed or something. Are you suggesting that Garmin wants to support women's cycling? I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so the other result. So what happened was it all got a bit crazy, and in the um, in the kind of complete chaos and carnage he's also turning around a peloton and getting back is pretty damn hard and anyway georgia bronzini won the sprint for second mm-hmm. with amy peters of, of argos shimano in third and emma johansson in fourth and that actually took her up to second place in the world cup rankings overall and another another swede sarah muston in, in the fifth yeah. and you know i yeah i guess that's bike racing well, at, at the very least, at the very least, that was bike racing on Sunday. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we've had so the peloton is now split into various different formations. Um, a couple of teams, most I think the biggest teams are Wiggle Honda and High Tech Products UKC, UCK are still out in China and they're riding the Tour of Zushan Island, which is a hilly race. And oh my God, Rochelle Gilmore's been tweeting some photos of what it's like out there. Yeah, it looks <sighs> like it looks like she's staying in some really shithole hotel with you know <laughs> terrible views and no pool. I'm not jealous. I'm yeah. not jealous of the mountains and the swimming pools and the views and yeah. the happy times. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know what? It's the- it's all green screened. I'm calling shenanigans. I'm saying I'm saying that you know they've put up a, a green uh, sheet against the wall of the, the the Motel Six room that all thirteen riders and staff are sharing with two beds. Um, <laughs> you know, and and just photoshopped in fake backgrounds. I'm calling shenanigans. Yes. That's what you're saying's happened, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, it's, um, yeah, the first stage was today, and the only results we've got is that it was won by Giorgia Bronzini, ahead of Elisa Longo Borghini in, in second. And that's interesting because I don't really seem to, in my head, those two don't go in the same top three. But yeah, because Elisa's more breakaway classics, and Georgia is very fast sprinter. But yeah, I can't wait to hear what happens there, and that's going to be a yeah. fun one to well, follow. Well, hey, maybe, maybe that is what happened. Maybe Elisa broke away and Georgia chased her down. Georgia is very good at getting into breakaways. She's like the invisible woman. You don't know she's there until she suddenly pops out of the peloton and wins. And it's, yeah. And it's all I very want a good. bike ninja. God damn it. I want a bike ninja. If you're a bike ninja or you know a bike ninja, can you please just give me contact details? I want a bike ninja. Yeah. Uh, the other races that's coming up um, starting on the 17th is the Tour of Languedoc Roussillon. Now. <laughs> a couple of years ago there were three grand tours for women and the UCI's definition of a grand tour for women is a 10 day uh, a nine day st- stage race yeah and there were three two of them were in France the Grand Boucle and the Tour de Lode and one is the Giro Donna which this year is the Giro Rosa um yeah it's it's the Tour of Languedoc-Roussillon was touted as a 
replacement for the turtle load. Oh, Dan, the turtle load, it was in the Pyrenees. Mm. Oh, so gorgeous. It was just Pyrenean climbing and sprint stages and beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. But yes, uh, I don't know. It's been a, re- it's a really irritating week, I think. It's lots of ranting week because the Tour of Languedoc-Roussillon is one of those women's races where you just do not understand what's going on. They don't help themselves. There is no website for this race. Um, a couple of weeks ago, CJ Farkerson was going, oh, it looks actually like this race might go ahead because no one knew until literally the last minute whether it's happening or not. And yeah, it's like, now there's some information. The fantastic Wenner, um, who runs a fantastic women's cycling website where it's everything about French racing, has got some information about the stages and stuff which other people have used. Um, I recommend VeloFocus's uh, race preview, as always, and the information on cycling fever. But yeah, so we'll have the Tour de Languedoc-Roussillon. What do we know about it? (laughs) Um, Some of the peloton are in North America because we have the only... UCI ranked races in North America. Oh no, I think the Philly Classic has come back. Yes. yes. One of the two sets of um, races, which is the amazing Gatineau races. Mm. Oh, I want to go there one day, Dan. Oh, you've got I to. I want to go there. Like, that whole part of... I mean, Canada's just awesome in general, but, you know, I love, I love me some Quebec. Well, they've got, on the 18th, they've got the GP Gatineau, and, which is the road race and then on the 20th they've got the chrono gatineau which is the itt and they have um it's part of a big festival of cycling they also have men's races and mass participation rides and all sorts of good times it's yeah so if you're in north america waiting for those yay i'm so happy for you um the other race i guess i've got to mention it but um uh, one of the things that's annoying about this right yes only one though (sighs) Oh, the fine. Tour of California. <laughs> uh, all right, just just um, temporary timeout. I'm signaling a timeout. Uh, ladies and gents at home, if you don't yet have a stiff drink in your hand, now's your chance to go get one because, trust me, you're going to need to be lick it up to endure the next three, maybe four minutes. Sarah kind of has opinions about this race. Uh, I have... So, yeah, I, all right, I'm just, you ready, Sarah? I'm about to call it. Time back on. All right, let's go. Tour of California, bang. So you may know that there is a men's race um, in California at the moment that clashes with the Giro, the Tour of California. And, you know, it's a, it's a big race with a lot of publicity. Now, back in the day... It's, it's one of those ones that's kind of interesting because, in theory, it's where you send all your riders who... Aren't really I'm good enough for the Giro. <laughs> well, yeah, who who aren't really up to like particularly the huge monster climbs of the Giro, but yeah. California turns out to be a pretty mountainous fucking state, and it's got some monster climbs of its own. So it never quite works out to be exactly what people think it'll be, and you wind up with some some interesting kind of things. Like last year, Peter Sagan won, I think, all but one of the stages, and then still didn't win the overall because that's how racing works. Um, and then like Mick Rogers has won it. And stuff like that. And the reason I think that. I going to be in the tour one day. Sure. Okay. Um, and anyway, so the reason that we're talking about the, the, the men um, at the Tour of California is precisely because the, the women's edition of the race has a long and storied history that Sarah is about to tell you all about. So, back in the day, 
the Tour of California used to have a crypt for women as, as a Women's Day, and they then they took it away. And then last year, they introduced... She takes a deep breath. The Invitational Time Trial, where they invite... Uh, this time 15 I think last year was 17 uh, some riders to come and race the same time trial course as the men now last year it was controversial because they decided that they had a prize pool of money and their initial idea was that they divide the prize pool of money based on how many men the women beat which was a little bit difficult because if a lot of women beat men then the prizes would get shrinky, 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 shrinky. But also, it was just, it was just, everything about it was wrong. It was basically saying, I mean, it was just wrong. I can't even. But they decided not to do that. But they said, oh, well, we don't really have the sponsorship to run a women's race. They promised live uh, women, you know, live TV coverage. And they did a bit of an interview with, with um, Kristen Armstrong, who went on to win the Olympic time trial. But, you know, it was just... It, it was left a very bad taste in the mouth because they basically presented the women's race as a sideshow. But they said, in the future, we're going to try and build up to a race. So this year, they've got a women's invitational time trial. They've invited 15 riders. Um, looking down the list, they've got uh, 13, I make it, maybe 13 or 12 American uh, USA riders and two from Canada, maybe three. I'm not sure about one of them. But they also do things like, oh, and we've invited a triathlon specialist to race it and stuff like that. It's kind of, it, it's still, oh, and they've got Katie Compton, who's a cyclocross rider racing it. You know what I mean? This isn't a proper race. It's not a proper race. It's not a proper race. They build it as, they bill it as, we've got the best women's riders in the world. And while you do have a, uh, uh, Evelyn Stevens, who came second in the World ITT Championships last year, and Amber Nevin, who's a former World ITT champion, these are not the best women's riders in the world. I mean, I guess what it could, what I think is going on is that it kind of counts as some kind of um, USA cycling idea of who might be in the World ITT team later on in the year, but even that's not right because they're not. It does raise a really interesting thing, though, um, in, in the sense that, uh, all right. Let me pause. I understand the the frustration that that you have um, with regards to all of this, but for me, the thing that's interesting is how how do you go like when the stated objective is to build their way up to a women's race? How do how do how do you go about it when you when you're trying to weigh factors like you know um, the expenses of putting on uh, a stage or multiple stages in in whatever form? How you marshal those? How you you know manage those additional costs? How you find sponsors for those? But also, it's an American race, so obviously you want to showcase American riders primarily. But as you say, that means that you may end up with a paucity of international stars, you know, and and uh, stuff like that. So it, it becomes quite a complex question. question, doesn't it? No, no, it's not that complex because when you look at other American racers, like we've been talking, the thing that's really interesting about American racing, yeah, is they have all these races where races where the Sea Otter Classic, for example, can have a women's race and a men's race. The 
I, the Tour of the Gila can have a women's race and a men's race. It's not like this is out of the cultural context. And it's also, American races are well, well known. We've talked about this before, about the really, really good prize money that they offer women. I mean, the, 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 the Philadelphia Classic, which has come back, is a men and a women's race at the same time. I mean, holy shit, the Energiewoche, sorry, the Omelette van Borsele had a day where they had the women's time trial, then the junior women's time trial, then, this, then the elite women's road race all on the same day. It's, we've got it over and over and over and over and over and over again demonstrating in much, big race, much bigger races. You know, the Ronde van Vlaanderen and the Fresh Vallon can have men's and women's races on the same day. And smaller races can do it. So I don't get, I don't buy any of the arguments that it's so hard. I think it's a choice. It's got to be a choice by the Tour of California organisers. If, if, if races like Sea Otter can manage it. But, but, well, yes, but races like Sea Otter aren't trying to manage, for example, live television coverage as well. You know, which adds costs and, and logistical complexities. So... But, then, but it's not. But but say you take. But that doesn't. I mean, we laugh about the exec, execrable live coverage, lack of live coverage of flesh or um or 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 Flanders. God damn, I, it, fucking flesh. But if they can manage, if they can manage the live coverage of the men's event. I mean, even the even the World ITT champions are at championships on the same day. Even the World Championship. Cyclocross races are on the same day. You know, this weekend we've also got the first round of the world. You know, I mean, it's just. But but, but that's no, but I, that, I don't. But I don't think that's an accurate argument because they are having the time trial on the same day. But it's not a proper time trial, Dan. They've only invited. It's not even yeah, but, a race. It but doesn't see, even count as a race. But that's a different. That's a different argument to whether or not it can be done on the same day. You're you're, totally you're talking about you're talking day. about. Yes, but they are doing it on the same day. You're talking about the quality of people they've invited. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, no. I'm talking about it's possible to have races on the same day, you know, a women's race and a men's race on the same day. It's not, it's not an impossible thing to do. And we've got, I get that you're devil's advocating me a little bit, but there's not, it's not like we don't have a thousand, thousand, thousand examples of how this has happened this we're not this isn't something new and innovative and you know as i say they used to run the downtown crit or they used to run the, the you know the crits the women's crit stage it's not unusual for america to have women's races and men's race women and men racing alongside each other and that's what makes the american road cycling scene so good and so exciting and actually in a lot of respects more interesting than the european scene and potentially for the future we might be seeing more of a shift, but it's just gutting that when they have their biggest race of the, you know, the, 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 their biggest race is also by far the worst. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's great. And I believe that they offer really good, nice um, appearance fees and stuff. You know, they make it worth the women's while. And I guess if you're, you know, you get to ride in front of the huge crowds in your home country and that's a good thing. But it's just... Well, that was more the thrust of my question, is because, you know, the, the goal of the, the race, I would assume, like the organisers, is to try and get more of the general public interested in cycling in general, and, and this is part of it, so... But, 
you know the Olympic ITTs. I saw the Olympic ITTs in London, yeah, and I watched the women race, and then I watched the men's men race in the same day on the same roads, and they had to manage much much bigger live coverage, much much bigger logistical issues in a much bigger city. Yes, but they also had California takes place. Yes, but they also had an Olympic sized budget behind them. Okay. I'm going to move on now. <laughs> we did warn you. <laughs> okay, quick. Everyone run back to the bar and fill their whiskeys up again. <laughs> oh. Cool. Well, um, in, in other exciting race news, um, is there other exciting race news? There is an interesting thing. Um, Mayuko Hagiwara is the Japanese national champion and she's been racing her first ever European season over here, riding for Wiggle Honda. And she won her first race this week. Um, it was the Championnat de Wallonie, which was a national level uh, base uh, race, as you can imagine, in the Walloon region of Belgium. And she beat Kat Hans and Annelise van Doorslayer. Now, this isn't a really big race, but it's just, it's nice. It's nice that uh, Hagawara has been working as a domestique for her team so far this season, and it's nice that she gets to actually race the smaller, you know, a smaller race, and you know, and actually taste victory. It's I, I'm really happy about that. It's it's that's this is about the globalization of cycling, you know. Exactly, it's, exactly, and that's actually one thing that I really love, and I think is often overlooked when. For example, you hear the UCI bang their globalization drum, which means, you know, you've got to fly to this country for this race no matter what. And we saw, um, you know, particularly earlier in the season um, with the, the rather nasty accident in uh, Ecuador, um, you know, when a, a driver blew straight through yeah. the, the marshalling and, and hit some riders. Um you know that that isn't necessarily always the uh, the best way to ensure that you're getting good quality race um, setups and and so on. Um, that the other side of the whole idea of globalization of cycling is, as you say, a young woman from Japan can come to Europe and race and you know do really well for her team in her day to day role, but also find uh, you know her opportunities and and chances to to compete for for the top step herself and and do that that's awesome yeah and you mm. know sake bombs all around i think one of the things that's quite interesting is that um it must be quite hard if you're a domestique i think it's very important that teams do allow their domestiques to um compete and race the smaller races and the you know the the, the lower level races so they can actually get used to winning because i've you know it's, it's a very difficult thing if you're and i've heard this in the context of cyclocross if you're used to coming like you know 15th is the highest you've ever come in a in a cyclocross world cup it's why some of the europeans go over to the america when they race in america and can remind themselves what winning is like and that's this is you know that, that that's the met that you know that's on the men's that's side. That's exactly it's, why I go to America to remind myself what winning is like. Mm, America. Dan is Dan has uh, a Dan has a crush on America. I totally do. They have some amazing whiskey. Hi, America. How's it going? What's it's up? not just the whiskey he's after. He's after your people. He's after your. They have some uh, fine breweries as well. It's true. He's after your your scenery. He's after your culture. Yes. So, um, if anyone wants to buy mm. for his birthday, Dan, a, a ticket to America, he'd be very happy. Mm, ticket to fly. Yeah. Uh, what else this week? Oh. <laughs> 
Yes. I like, speaking of the difference between how large races and small races opposite, operate, in Ireland in, the, in <gasps> September, there's a race called the, Nor- the Roars Norman. Can you pronounce now, that for me again? Because I wouldn't have a prayer of pronouncing this based on the spelling. Well, it's the Roars, it's the Roars Norman. Um, on their website, it, when you look at it, I would have said Rosnaban, <laughs> but it's the Rosnaman. And the reason I know how to pronounce it is it tells you handily how to do it on their excellent website. Congratulations to them for you know having a website that oh, does stuff I, like that. You know, I'm not being you know, facetious. I actually mean that. I really do. They had. Um, they they were they what they did this last this week has been to launch the race and to actually start trying to big up the race so that teams start registering and they did it with a fantastic social media social media campaign that just made me really 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 want to go to Ireland and stand in the rain on the side of a road and cheer on uh, bike riders. Um, nice. One of the things is they they they're a, they're not a UCI they're not a UCI ranked race. So if you are a woman who cycles, and you're th- you could get together a team and race the Nor- Roars Norman in this autumn. It's very, very good riding, people. Awesome, and, and it's a it's a multi day event. Um, it is. Yeah, and County Clare. You know who who doesn't love County Clare? It's yeah, it's it's mm. it's all very good, mm. and I liked it very much. Cool, and cool. yeah, and one of those examples of which is why it's really funny looking at Languedoc-Roussillon, which you know doesn't have a website. Um, the the different ways that races and very small races how they publicise themselves. I mean, I guess there might be a cultural thing, but where the tour of California goes, we've got the best riders in the world, and you look down the list and go, hmm. Uh, not sure you've got some of the best riders in the world yes but there are some but there are a lot of the best right you know that's not what the top um that's not what the world itt champion top 10 is going to look like right right <laughs> but but yeah it's it's um it's really interesting the different way that races publicize themselves and the roars is 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 selling itself as cycling and amazing scenery in something that's going to be really, really, really fun to compete in. Hard, don't get me wrong, but fun. And, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. And like any good race, I do have to point out that being in Ireland means that there will be Guinness and whiskey available. So, just saying. Just saying. No reason (laughs) not to go. No reason not to go. The other reason... The other race I'd like to, that's been pushing itself, the Giro Rosa, have got a promo video out, and that's another race that would be fun to go to, people. Now we know where it's going. Start planning your trips. Exactly. Uh, plan to holiday often and lengthily, and so on and so forth. Um, in terms of social media, I thought this might be a good moment, but I, I guess I should check first. Are we done? Are we, are we finished with races? Uh-huh. Is it time? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Look, it's been a little while since we've talked about this, and, and I think it does take a little bit of talking about because it got a little complicated on us. What I'm talking about is that uh, uh, a while ago, Sarah and I were, were breathlessly telling you that it would be a matter of moments before we released <laughs> our plans for the social media jersey for 2013. And, um, and then all of a sudden, some shit went down. Um, and it wasn't really related to us, but it did 
cast everything that we were planning to do in a slightly different light, and it's it's made us revise our plans a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put up a more detailed post about it uh, probably a day or two after the podcast goes up. But I thought we'd just take the chance now for Sarah and I to explain what we're thinking, you know, what's changed and, and why, and just so that we can be clear about that. Do we need to tell people what the social media jersey is first in case they didn't see it last year? In case you're one of the many millions of people who have suddenly jumped on the women's cycling fandom bandwagon. (laughs) First of all, I'd like to say welcome. Um, And uh, please do note that it says prominently on the description that this is a sweary fucking podcast. So if that's a problem, you know, good fucking bye. Assuming you're still listening... The social media jersey is a brilliant idea that Sarah had um, many years ago, actually. She's, she's nursed this idea from infanthood, much like this podcast. Um, and last year we, we launched it. The idea was that you may not know that many women's races are not able to provide what you would consider a great deal of prize money, particularly for their minor place holdings. Uh, it, the, the money trails off very, very quickly. And so, for example, it means that, uh, you know, a rider coming fifth in a Premier One Day race may only get €100 Euros in prize money. Or less than that if they're coming fifth. Mm. Um, which, there's no nice way to say this. It's just fucking ridiculous. It really is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Sarah came up with the idea of um, what we ended up calling the social media jersey, which is... We identified three races towards the end of last year's season uh, that we would accept nominations from uh, anybody for social media from riders. Because the other the other factor is that a lot of women's races we don't get much general media coverage, and it's kind of it's kind of you know in in the the online world they talk a lot about user generated content, which is you know you posting stupid cat videos to YouTube. Um, well, in, in the world of women's cycling, we depend a lot on rider-generated content to find out what the fuck's going on. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that we sit here each week and talk about Richie Steege and Carl Lima providing Twitter updates of races so that we know what's happening. You know, it, it's we love them for it, we appreciate the world out of it, and it's kind of ridiculous in this day and age that that's what it takes to actually get information about a race. So those two factors sort of combined into into this grand idea. So oh, with a third one, mm-hmm. that actually a lot of the women riders are really fucking good at social media. True, I mean, and really and life good. in general, you know, they're funny and, and the smart, stories. and you know, have interesting viewpoints and relate them to important life things and stuff like that. So you know, you can read anything by them and just feel affirmed and like you're a better human being just for you know having seen their Twitter feed or whatever. It's true. It's true. It's just... No, it's just... Mm. And they're very, very funny, and they generally will finish a race and then write a really good race report, or people make videos, or people yeah. do all sorts of things. And, yeah. and they're very funny. So we picked last year three races. We picked the Tour de l'Ardèche, the Giro Toscana, and the Holland Ladies Tour mm. as, our, as uh, our parameters. And we set up a prize for anyone for, that, that was uh, where people could nominate any social media from riders in those races about those races. Mm, exactly. And so we got nominations from all over. And, and one of the things that was really nice about it and part of why we chose those races is because that's often 
uh, the part of the season where you've got riders from like the US who come over to Europe to ride in a mixed team or invited mm. to, to one of the European teams to guest ride um, and, and sort of, you know, put that toe in the water and, and compete at that level and see how they go. And, you know, and last year... And prepare for Worlds. Exactly, and prepare for Worlds. And last year... Exactly, because you get some national teams along as well. So we, we like get a good Canadian mix of people. Canadian national team. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, so, of our, thinking of Lex Albrecht, for example, who provided a really, really fun series of blogs. Mm, mm, exactly, and wound up taking out one of the, the prizes that we, we put together. So the point of the whole thing was not to... I mean, it's motivated by a little bit of sort of sarcastic snarkiness towards the the absurdities of of racing life but mostly it's it's a celebration that's what it's really about and so you know collectively we we raised a shit ton of money um which i think mathematically worked out to you know was it about three grand Three and a half grand. Yeah, that's right. And we raised it by, and we raised it through crowdfunding yeah, which is an important exactly. thing so we, when we started we were aiming for 500 quid and Sarah was like, we'll never get it. We'll never get it, Dan. We've got to have a backup plan because we're not going to get it. So, you know, and she was right. We didn't get 500 quid. So, you know, yeah. te- technically. In your face. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and we gave prizes. We gave prizes to 11 riders. And yep. we got riders um, tweeted their photos of themselves because we made a, um, we made not out of the prize money, I hasten to add. We made posters and a t- and an actual jersey. And we sent the, jo- sent the poster, the, mm. the, the certificates out to riders. And we got photos and tweets from them. And we had holding lots of, their certificates. Exactly. We had lots of fun. And it was a, it was a really good positive thing. And um, I really enjoyed we it. I got a lot out friends. of it. And um, and we met some really cool people and made lots of friends and I, I think it was a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. So anyway, the intention was that this year we would carry on that tradition and do the same thing. And we are going to, but we've, we've changed it a little bit. Originally, we were planning to do multiple um, segments of fundraising because our, our mantra all the way along has been the more money we raise, the more we give away because that's always been the goal is to actually put cash in the hands of riders and go, hey, you know what, we're fans, we appreciate you, you know, here's some money that you don't have to worry about what you do with it, you know, this is this is completely fine for guilty pleasure or, or whatever. And it was really interesting because, you know, I was amazed, I was genuinely amazed at how many of the writers turned around and donated their prize money to, like, their, their favourite charities and stuff. Uh, they're amazing people. They really are. Yeah, and even the ones who didn't, I mean, it's like, and that's a personal choice because mm. if that means, you know, for some rider, it means they could go on holiday. For another rider, actually, you know, 100 quid isn't that much because they're one of the few riders who's being, you know, paid a big wage so they can they can donate it. But it was lovely. I think mm. but I think what was really interesting was, because this was voted by, how many votes did we get? I want to say 11,000, but I think it, I might be no, making it, it was, up. No, it was something ridiculous like that. I mean, we got, I remember our, big, our single biggest day was like um, 6,000 visits to the voting page which was some astronomical number of votes it was it was ridiculous yeah and and that was also another thing was we were able to say to people look a thank you you know not just with the money but also for the appreciation that these are people who are nominated people nominated you and then people voted for you and we appreciate what you do you know it's just like a little way for fans to say Thank you. Thank exactly. you to riders. We see you, we recognise you, we appreciate you, you know. And that's that's the part that we're, we're definitely carrying forward in 2013. What we've decided for the moment, um, this may change later in the year, and I don't want to point fingers and I don't want to get into a big discussion about it in detail, but 
The one other sort of significant fundraising event that happened in in the cycling community, the broader cycling community last year, was the after hours. <laughs> it was after hours, we but yes, <laughs> was the uh, the Paul Kimmage Defence Fund, um, and quite genuinely, I, I don't want to comment on on any of that. But for those of you who who may not have heard, there are some ongoing issues that um, are looking like they may wind up resulting in in some level of legal action to resolve about where the money's gone, who's controlling it, and what's happening with it, and. Yeah, that's we've that's... had, we've got, we've got, we've got detailed <laughs> because Dan and I are slightly, um, slightly obsessive. We've got detailed records of what we did with it and with our, yep. with the money that came from us and where it went. And we were very open with people as we went, and we've got evidence of you know we've got, mm. we posted everything as we as we got it in, so we can we can ca- categorically say we're not. Yes, it worried will... about we're, that, 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 that we're, we're that, that we're not worried about. Yeah, we're com- oh. we're completely above board, and, and there's no question about about you know our stewardship of the the funds that we've raised. But, but. that said, well, that said, we're aware that this isn't the best environment in which to be soliciting funds from the broader cycling community, and that's where yeah. we really wanted to be able to go with this. Is we had a very successful first year. Um, and we'd, we'd love to make it bigger and to extend that out a little further, but we don't feel that now's the right time to do that. But, and this is the important part, this is the, this is the main part, is that doesn't prevent us doing the really cool fun stuff, which is nominating writers for their social media and celebrating their stories and experiences and, and things like that, and voting and, uh, and awarding, you know. So Sarah and I have decided that we'll put up uh, the same price as we did last year, being the the actual jersey and the the certificates ourselves, mm-hmm. and um, and so there will still a be those prizes. A little bit of money from us, and um, and you know, so it'll be the same thing, but it, it's just going to be on a on a slightly more modest scale to start with. So you know, um, that's that's the lay of the land for now. As I said, there'll be a more detailed post uh, going up on the on the website, which is Sarah Pro Exactly. Uh, to to explain and um, and you can lament and castigate us all you want over there. But what you can also do is you can start just thinking about women's professional women's rate, uh, riders this year who've put up social media that you'd like that you'd like to nominate because anyone can nominate. It's and it can just be nominated. And I like that. I like that tweet. You know, Jesse McLean tweeting about the um, about Chung Ming saying. I feel like we were invited to a party but kicked out before the music started. <laughs> Which or, was actually you know, not about maybe, the race. That was about the after party where she was kicked out before the <laughs> music started. Yeah. Or maybe you've loved Miranda Reeves' blog. Or maybe there's a rider who you follow who just makes you feel like they're, who's, who's, who you just appreciate being able mm. to follow their story. And it can be on any social media platform. The only parameter is that it's got to be publicly viewable. Mm. So that you know, publicly viewable, so that we can share it amongst all of us. And you know, this is the goal: is to to find interesting and maybe lesser known stories. Who's who's going to be the person that we discover this year that that you know we we might have heard of but not seen much from because we didn't know yeah. we didn't know it was there. So delight and surprise us with your discoveries, and uh, and let's all celebrate the the wonder and joy of uh, you know the social media that we get. 
Yep. And if you have any questions about it, you can, as always, contact us on Twitter, where Dan is at Entendered, and I am at underscore pigeons underscore or you can send us an email on uh, pro cycling at gmail.com and yeah i mean you know i mean say someone goes well i've got a business now sponsor one of the prizes that's cool that's fine as long as it's not money's not coming through us <laughs> yeah or, no, and that's the thing like you know we are still very much open to and, and would like to be able to award prizes to riders but you know we're clear that the the way in which we manage that needs to be revisited so yeah you know. it's it's just we don't i mean i guess the thing is is the kimish defense fund is so widely publicized and we're just a tiny little fish in a in a, mm. in, a in a in a big pond and you know i don't we just don't want the wonderful world of women's cycling to be even even tangentially tainted with that particular brush mm. Mm. so anyway yeah that's that's that in a nutshell it was a rather large yeah. nutshell i will admit and it was a, a wordy nutshell but that's it in a nutshell are we suggesting Australian nuts are huge? Definitely. Giant nuts, really hard to carry around. Full of spiders. <laughs> Everything's full of spiders. I sent Sarah on Twitter today. She's referring to um, a list that I found of um, 26 things, I think it was 26 things, that happen in Australia every day. And one of them was pointing out that we have uh, over 2,000 species of spiders and that there are spiders everywhere. The thing that I found absolutely hilarious about that one, though, was I was telling Sarah before we started recording that just yesterday I had a friend show me a photo of a particular spider in part of a, a semi-remote part of Queensland that um, captures, kills, and eats snakes. <laughs> We've got the best wildlife. Actually, the other thing on that list that was pretty fucking funny was dingoes eating sharks. <laughs> I mean, the only thing we can hope is that Australia Australia eats itself. It is. Oh, oh speaking of Australians and social media, segueing nicely, mm. did you see uh, Gracie Elvin's tweet this she week? She has been conducting um, a rather interesting little Twitter experiment. I think that's actually what she called it. Um, so, oh, what was it? It would have been about a week ago, that Gracie tweeted um, and just said, retweet, like, or favourite if you would like to see more women cycling on TV or on your computer screens. And um, that, it's that very, 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 very sort of simple kind of thing. So if you haven't already, I encourage you to track it down. You can find it on Gracie's Twitter, obviously. Or um, Sarah and I have both retweeted it, so you know. And we'll put a link to it on our um, on our blog. Mm, mm. Uh, and we've we've asked Gracie to let us know the results um, once once she's done with her survey period. I'm not sure how long she's planning to run this for. Um, I don't know anything of the methodology, but I trust her completely because you know she's a uni student, and you know they they are stringently ethical in their research. Definitely. Definitely. Um, the other social media I liked was a photo that I think Lauren Rowney took, but Marianne DeVries retweeted, which was um, the Girona, <laughs> the non-China, uh, the non-China iteration of the of the pro peloton in Girona. <laughs> which I, I can't remember what you called it. I think you called it like the the Girona Social Cycling Club or something. Yeah, um, I can't which remember. I, whatever it was you said, it always made me think of that that great movie, The Boyna Vista um, Social, Social Club. Club. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. rebate with women's cyclists. Yeah, exactly. It was like the women's cycling version of that. How cool is that? And then I was thinking of, you know, like Cuban dancing and stuff and women's cyclists. Yeah. And... But yeah, so so yeah, that yeah. was nice because I think I think a group of the because you know, Girona is one of the hotspots of where where cyclists live. Mm. And yeah, so I think they, there was just like a picture of riders who'd gone for a ride together and I thought that was lovely. So that's very sweet and not at all making me jealous and wishing I lived in Girona too. Oh no, no. <laughs> oh, we should just rename this podcast to Jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to make some really snarky comment about, yeah, maybe we should try and crowdsource our funding so we can oh, move to Girona soon. <laughs> oh, oh, snap. But, you know, we weren't going to comment on that directly, so... <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, a ninja lawyer has just broken into my apartment and screaming, stop, stop. <laughs> um, what else did you like this week, Dan? Um, well, you know, there was there was all sorts of interesting things out and about. But the one thing that I particularly wanted to mention was um, Anne Rook on Podium Cafe, or you may know her as Anne Marie Rook on Twitter. Um, has posted a lovely little uh, interview with Kirsten Beald about, um, well, her unexpected uh, rest period, which began a little earlier in the season than intended yeah. because she had a, a nasty crash and broke her shoulder at the Omelette van Borsele. Um So, you know, it, it's, it's actually, uh, like, it, it's a great little interview in terms of getting an idea of what she's planning to do in terms of adjusting her plans for the year and also um, how she's managing her injury and, and that sort of thing. So that's on Podium Cafe. Uh, we'll post a link to that as well. Um, yep. And so Kirsten is, among other things, aiming to be back in form for the Giro and hopefully go for a stage win there, obviously. And then... Um, the World Cup race in Sweden, Holland Ladies Tour. Oh, she does like winning that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, and then she's also looking at the European Track Championships. So that's <gasps> interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, you know, mm. there's, there's a few things going on. And, of course, Sarah and I are really... It's the one question that, unfortunately, Amari wasn't, uh, wasn't able to fit into the interview. Uh, Sarah and I are dying to know if she will challenge uh, Colin de Court to a sprint-off, because it has to happen. It just has to happen. Oh, I wish it would happen. I wish, wish, wish. Um, her teammate, uh, by the time this podcast goes up, her teammate, Lucy Garner on Argos Shimano, uh, they've done a little mini, mini, mini documentary filmette about Lucy, which they're launching today. And so if you haven't seen that already, make sure you click on and watch it. Um, I love skill. I love how they, they integrate their women's, their women's team and their men's team really, really, really well. And their videos are fantastic. They've had, um, we should really post their happy birthday video just cause that's a little bit weird. <laughs> just a little bit weird. <laughs> which i mean I, i'm laughing more because honestly sarah coming from the two of us that could mean fucking anything well <laughs> it might actually not. just be a little bit weird or it could be like really fucking weird uh, don't get people's hopes up they'll be disappointed <laughs> but yes um 
the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting, coming as it did in the same week as Bradley Wiggins Ride Like a Girl comment, was um, Kathy Bussey, who has a great cycling blog, mm. uh, had an article in the British newspaper The Telegraph on everyday, everyday sexism in everyday cycling. Yeah, and I, uh, I found that like absolutely amazing for a bunch of reasons. Not least of which is, obviously, I'm already immediately disconnected from it because I'm a dude. And so I'll, I'll never understand directly the, the side of being a lady on a bike um, in those situations. But also, the other thing that I found possibly really interesting, and I haven't been able to answer to my satisfaction, was how universal this may or may not be. But mostly, the thing that I found absolutely shocking were the stories that she and, and her friends and acquaintances that she'd interviewed for this article had about the, the comments and treatment that they have had on the roads and bike paths, you know, just riding their bikes. It was amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I guess it's not very surprising if you're if you're a woman who cycles that you know because we've all had it. We've all had people yell yell stuff out of cars and you know, oh look, I'm just going to throw my coat can at you and call you a bitch while you're riding along uh, when you're not you know in a bike lane. Yeah. On it's it's really weird. But you know, you were saying that one of the things you found most interesting was about her realizing. So in the article, she talks about how at, at first she hadn't realized it happened, and then she realized that. The more feminine she looked on the bike, the more li- more likely she was to get abuse. Yeah. And and that it never never happened when she was out with her boyfriend. And that that was I mean that's one thing that's fascinating. The other thing that I found really interesting was that it's the full spectrum of abuse. You know, she could be on the same ride and have like the one that I think the one that I actually found most offensive um which I know is like a really stupid thing for the guy on the podcast to be saying, but I was really offended by this particular story was, um, when she was riding through, I can't remember the name of the park, but some London park where people cycle, um, you know, here it would be Centennial Park. Everyone's got a park where they ride their bike. And these guy cyclists wound up following her and were saying things like, wish I was the seat. And I'm just like, you're fucking kidding me. I, wow I'm yeah I think it was a really really important article because clearly I have had my mind blown in a uncomfortable and discomforting way which it should be um, because this isn't something that I've seen firsthand and I'm not likely to see firsthand uh, so yeah it, it, it's very interesting but I think actually very important because until we get these stories into the the mainstream consciousness and can all go that's bullshit and unacceptable you know this is just going to keep happening indeed and you know the thing is is it hasn't stopped her riding and you know it doesn't stop people and it's it doesn't stop people riding and yay women and And that was the great takeaway from the article and actually was really relieved that it finished on that note because i i swear you know this is like reason four trillion and 22 of why women are tougher than men because because i'm pretty sure (laughs) i'm pretty sure i couldn't handle that kind of abuse I'd stop writing. The the stupidest one, the stupidest one was some woman who was, who would get loads of people calling her fat and telling her she shouldn't be on a bike because she's fat. 
And she, and I think her thing was, what do you want me to do? Drive to the gym and go on a the static bike? What, what are you talking about? It's just uh, anyway. So yeah, so that was um, so that was stupid. that was that was another thing this week. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> and which of course final... we'll provide a link to. And I would like to add, if you have your own stories or thoughts about that, I would actually be genuinely interested to hear more. Um, because I do think, I do think, you know, this is something that needs attention. This is a yeah. social thing. It's not a cyclists thing. It's not a men women thing. It's a society thing. Well, this is. There was someone on Twitter suggesting that that, that she was conflating two issues. She was conflating sexism and issues about cyclists because you know men get abused too and it's like no you're missing the point well a it's always comedy when a man tells you that you've got your issue <laughs> wrong <laughs> no you're experiencing it wrong that's not what's happening but the other thing was that like actually you have to accept that yeah you know what you might get abuse on a bike but it's much worse for girls, and and there's nothing wrong with a man admitting that. that in fact, it's well, it's admirable, and and, and and that it's a different right. kind of abuse. You know, I mean, yeah, I get. I've had shit thrown at me. I've had someone lean out a car window and push me off my bike. I've had a bus swerve at me to try and hit me on purpose. I I've I've been abused on a bike, like absolutely. I've not been sexually harassed on a bike, um, and they are you know different things and. The fact that one exists does not prevent does not mean the other does not exist, you know. Yeah. And and that's the thing. This is a valid issue and it's an important issue. Um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And the final thing I wanted to mention this week, I would say that I mean last it's it's suddenly other discipline World Cups. We had the BMX Supercross races this week, and we'll put a video of that on our site in the the World Cup in Argentina. But this weekend, we have. The first round of the mountain bike cross country World Cup. If only we knew of a rider who had excelled in multi uh, multiple cycling disciplines, who you know was a household name. Who, for example, Bradley Wiggins wished he could descend like. <laughs> who no, who was riding a race like this? That would be now, really this... interesting. Now, when you look down the start list, it starts off with the absolute megastars of cyclo of, of cross country. We have former world champion Catherine Pendrell from the Lunar Pro team. We've got uh, world champion and Olympic champion Julie Bresset from BHSR Suntour, who's back from a collarbone break. We've got Sabine Spitz from Germany. We've got, oh my goodness, multiple champion Gunrita Dahl Flesher. And then lots of people like Georgia Gould. Georgia Gould. Oh God, Georgia, when you... Oh, when when Georgia punctured last year in one of the World Champ World Cups and didn't win, I was gutted for you, and I really hope you take that win this year. And yeah, and yeah, and you look down the list, and then we get to the one and only, the fabulous, riding her first ever mountain bike cross mountain bike World Cup, Mariana Voss. Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> It's possible that Sarah's excited. <laughs> or, or having a stroke. It's hard to, do you smell burning hair, Sarah? I am going to be very interested. Now, when Mariana went to see Otter, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, she may have won a lot of mountain bike the mountain bike races that she's been in so far this year. But, you know, she's not 
been up against some of the really big names in mountain bike yet. Yeah, she won in Sea Otter. But, you know, that was a while ago and the riders, the mountain bikers weren't on top form yet. And, you know, I'm not saying that Marion Orvos is definitely going, is going to win or even top, even, even podium. But holy shit, I want to see this race, Dan. <laughs> I think everyone does, though, because as you say, like, like we're still we're still finding out where the limits are, you know, like, it, yeah, this is, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. It's but going to be fabulous. I do have to call you out, Sarah, for being a lying liar with your pants on fire. Um, you may want to take a moment and pour some water over your pants and put the fire out. Because you said that was the last thing you wanted to mention. And I know for a fact that that was not the last thing you wanted to mention. <gasps> what? what was the last thing I wanted to mention? Because you told me beforehand that you had a whole series of birthday episode questions that you wanted to ask. Oh, yeah, it has been a year of podcasting. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you, Dan, which I haven't asked him in advance. So this is surprise questions. Um, what have you learned? How, what, 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 what do you think? <laughs> um, I've learned that um, I really hate fucking accepted HTML characters in XML feeds for the RSS feed for the podcast that makes it easy to download from iTunes. Um <laughs> I've also learnt useful stuff. <laughs> but that one I particularly hate. <laughs> I've learned that you're a smart ass. <laughs> no way. It took you a year to figure that out. I'm pretty sure that was obvious from the start. I know. No, no have you found it? Um, it's been awesome. It's been an absolutely amazing experience. One of the reasons that I wanted to to start and participate in a podcast with Sarah was and I admit this freely, purely selfish, it, it seemed to me one of the best ways for me to get to learn more about women's cycling. I was interested, I wanted to understand it better, and I figured if I was in a position where I had to regularly, you know, even if it was fortnightly or once a month, sit down with someone and actually talk about the sport, I would have to get to know more about it. Oddly enough, that hasn't happened, but... Uh, <laughs> I can fake it really good now with Sarah here to fill in the gaps. <laughs> no, seriously, we've had some amazing things. Um, a couple of my favourites are the jersey. I'm actually really proud of um, the social media jersey last year because it just, to me, that, that touched so many great things. I've also really enjoyed our conversations about um, even though it's a certain amount of just shooting the shit, um, what we would do to improve the sport and improve the profile of the sport and the functioning of the sport and that sort of thing. I'm not necessarily suggesting that we've worked out the, the best idea or the best way of tackling it, but I think, I think having a conversation and thinking about those things helped. And I, I do think that, you know, somewhere in the middle of all of that, Somebody, probably not us. <laughs> you know, you never know where the good idea is going to come from. And it, it starts from not being afraid to ask the questions and sound foolish. But most of all, I've enjoyed getting to know a hell of a lot more about the sport and the riders and the, the teams and managers and, and staff who work so hard to entertain us at the end of the day. That's their job. And they do a great job. And we've had some... 
really fantastic things and a couple of particular highlights of the interviews that we were able to do towards the end of last year with Helen Wyman and uh, and um, Amber Pierce and uh, obviously you know uh, my first ever proper women's cycling related man crush Steph <laughs> <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things like that too so yeah um what about you? What's what's your take on the year? Sick of me yet? Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to work harder at that one. <laughs> Damn it. <sighs> no, I mean, when Dan asked me, I'd never even thought about doing a podcast. I had a bit of a phobia of the sound of my own voice, which for someone who talks as much as I do is a bit weird. But, you know, when it's recorded, I can't stand it. But I've loved all... I, I think I've loved getting to know people. Like, I can't... I'm not going to name you all, but, but you know who you are. I love I love the fact that I feel like I've made friends, you know? And kind of developing a set of people. You know, every time anyone shoots a link or... or, or, or or, or shows us something they think we might like, or or anything. It's just, it's just lovely. It's lovely, kind of being mm. connected with people who love the sport. Mm. You know, mm. it's just, it's just fantastic, and Absolutely. you know, and people who become friends, and that's that's a really lovely thing. Mm. And yeah, so thank you, Dan. Thank you for asking me huh. <laughs> to it's, do the cast in the first place. It's one of those weird things that I actually can't tell um which is true like over the last year i feel like we've seen the sport actually grow in its presence and and acceptance and and that sort of thing and i can't tell whether it actually has or whether it's just that we've met more people and found more cool stuff that was already there <laughs> either way i'm happy i don't mind <laughs> but but yeah you know from from baseface who comes up with like these amazing videos from all over the plays um through to the start of total women's cycling um you, you know like there's just so many different things and and um yes my man crush but steph wyman's fan back women's cycling project um mm. you know like like there are a lot of really cool things going on and this broader community fans of this sport uh i feel becoming better and better connected and relating to each other better and and doing things and I, I i'm positive i'm optimistic i'm hopeful yeah i feel good yeah, about the future like mm. Mm. it does feel like that i mean it's not it's not that we're going to stop whining <laughs> <laughs> that would be unrealistic yes <laughs> but, you know, thank you and and thank you genuine and sincere heartfelt thanks to everyone who's well everyone you know, thank you. Um, we we appreciate you all. Here's to another year, Dan. Oh well, you know, contract negotiations are still pending. We'll have to see. I've demanded double my salary, so what is what is two times zero again? I don't I don't remember. Uh, doesn't that, aren't we going to get into? I uh, don't don't don't. Aren't we going to have to start paying to do it? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I can't afford the tax liability on a negative income. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, yeah. everyone, for listening. And, you know, if you've ever got any suggestions for things we can do or, you know, things we can do better, because, oh, my God, we can always, <laughs> always do things better, yeah. then do get in touch with us. And I, I feel like I should just note at this point, though, that just because we're willing to let you make suggestions about what we can do better, that's not us promising we will do better. <laughs> We can try. 
Yeah, but we might not. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, good listener, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. I'll drink to that. Bye.